Chapter 8. Greatest Clarity Well, this is fun, thinks Daniel, starting to feel like a kid in a glass maze. Each time he walks toward what looks like open darkness, he finds a new wall blocking his way. He feels the cave open up to one side, the mirage of a breeze taunting him yet again. He steps toward it cautiously, shield up, readying himself for the familiar fading in of stone wall up ahead. Instead, Daniel sees light in the distance. It's a mere reflection, faint, but it indicates the presence of an exit nonetheless. Daniel finds a wall that seems to lead toward the light. It's smooth and linear like the walls near the spot where he woke up. Should be a straight shot from here, Daniel thinks. As long as there aren't any pits or... He loses his train of thought. Out of nowhere, his weapons are swallowed by the darkness, and he is no longer sure that he is carrying a backpack. Even his legs have vanished. Daniel's vision becomes a tunnel pointed at the floor in front of him. Everything else churns in his periphery. He shambles forward a pace or two, and then turns at random to walk in another direction. A wall blocks his path, but... Wait, wasn't this way open? It's as if the stone has glitched in right in front of him. After a long, sleepy blink of his eyes, he checks again, but the wall has not moved. Daniel's thoughts slow, and he suspects that he has stopped walking, but he can't be sure. He feels a dull discomfort in his left thumb, a pinching feeling. It becomes increasingly painful, and Daniel manages to regain control of a few muscles for long enough to look down at his hand. An elliptical gash is growing on the inside flesh of his thumb. He sees ridges in the wound. Teeth marks? It bleeds profusely, and Daniel feels a mute sense of panic, unable to explain the situation to himself beyond a silent half-question. Nothing is biting me. It's a sentence that has probably never been uttered before, certainly never out of fear. But the lack of precedent makes whatever is happening only more terrifying now. Daniel cannot defend himself. There is nothing to defend himself from. A fresh stream of blood falls to the stone floor, mixed in with a chunk of Daniel's thumb. Daniel crumples to the ground, certain that blood loss has finally killed him. Daniel wakes to a familiar skittering sound, and he opens his eyes to find that he is facing his trail of blood. He is lying on his side, left arm outstretched. The entire front part of his left thumb is missing, and the wound is bleeding, dripping onto the cave floor. Daniel sits up and feels... changed. He doesn't understand it, but it's like he's self-aware when he hadn't been before as if everything from his fight with the scarabs to his discovery of the trap door had been a dream. He has been acting without thinking, running on an instinctual, terrified autopilot. He doesn't know how he arrived in this place. But I'm not dying before I find out, he thinks. If he wants to survive, he has to understand every aspect of himself. His strengths, his weaknesses, his talents anything that could give him an edge over the forces that seem intent on killing him. The distant clicking of beetle legs continues, 
reminding Daniel that he is very much awake and in danger. Daniel takes a couple steps to get away from the blood pile, and he kneels down and pulls the button-down shirt out of his bag. Using his rock, Daniel cuts the shirt horizontally across an imaginary line just below the sleeves. The large rectangle of cloth is soaked in blood, but Daniel judges that it can make a functional bandage nevertheless. He cuts off both sleeves and slices them lengthwise, producing three additional pieces of cloth. He folds each of the four pieces into smaller rectangles, and he punches holes through the sides of each one, piercing multiple layers of fabric. Daniel is quick but not frantic, the speed of his movements pushed to some carefully calculated maximum. His body is different, controlled, not at all the same one that couldn't get a simple bandage to stay tied earlier. Daniel saws the two intestinal tracts in half the long way, being careful to keep the halves equally thick. He repeats this process with each half, producing eight three-foot-long pieces of thin, slimy rope. The work seems like it should be tricky, but Daniel manages it with little difficulty, even as the scarabs close in. Inside Daniel's mind are two progress bars, crafting in one, distance to target in the other. They are neck and neck, but Daniel knows he'll make it. Daniel threads each of the ropes through a hole in a folded piece of shirt. Eight strong knots later, he is holding four new bandages. He rolls the bandages into pairs and stuffs each pair into a pocket of his pants. Standing up, Daniel closes his backpack and slings it over his shoulder. He takes another few steps, sacrificing some of the space between himself and the scarabs to ensure that he has plenty of room to back up once the fighting starts. This should be a good spot. Thanks, Daniel. Dropping his weapons, Daniel pulls out a pair of bandages from his pocket. He ties the first one to his abdomen and the second to his thumb, looping and knotting it again and again, even around his wrist, to ensure that it stays put. Nothing hurts. Though it definitely should, and will, as soon as this is over, Daniel thinks, retrieving his sword and shield. He looks up, and there they are. Three of them, identical to the pair lying dead and desecrated in Daniel's wake. One is emerging from a nearby indent in the cave wall, as if it had been prowling, sizing up its prey, waiting for reinforcements instead of charging in. Let's hope you're not too much smarter than the first two, Daniel thinks at the beetles. He raises his weapons, tightens his muscles, and prepares to defend himself. <laughs>